Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on! Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, Superman's Girlfriend Lois Lane, number 66. Cover date, July 1966. Cover price, 12 cents. Cover artist, Kurt Schaffenberger. Edited by Mort Weisinger. Featuring, They Call Me the Cat. Written by Leo Dorfman. Art by Kurt Schaffenberger. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go-go. Welcome to the world of love and laughter, baby. Welcome to the sunshine of a brand new day. Drifted onto the sea, you flowered into a dream, a dream that never would fade away. Lois begins exhibiting strange, unexplained behavior. First, she begins shivering from intense cold, which even being flown into the heart of the sun can't remedy. Next, she begins having an uncontrollable desire to eat flowers. Then, she gains cat-like legs, which enable her to climb across telephone wires. Even Superman is helpless to alleviate Lois's ailments. Worried? Don't be. I'll be right back with Dr. Husband and a special guest to explain everything. Guest today is Martin Gray, who comes from very far away. He's here to talk about the pain of Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. 
Thank you, gentlemen. That is an honor. That's just off the top of my head. If I had more time, I could do better. <laughs> he could lay down some tracks, harmonize it, and put an orchestra with it. Martin Gray! Hello well, there. I'm from Scotland. Yes, you're our first international guest. And you're also one half of our listening audience, so... Uh, yes, it's proof that we actually have more than one listener. Oh, you know, I, I make my partner Steve listen to you in bed. Yes! Oh! Well, we have three listeners, then. Is yeah, that... Whatever, want to whatever, keep him off you? <laughs> yeah. No, whenever there's a story about one of your mothers, I get him to listen. Because they're the best. Oh, oh yeah. yes. We love those stories. God, we go on tangents all the time about our families. But they're such interesting families. I mean, so less mundane than mine, who are wonderful, but they're not as excitingly foreign and wonderful. Foreign. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's offensive too. Anyway, hi. Um, so you are a journalist and a theatre critic. Is that correct? Oh, I do. I just do bits in. My, I do bits in my spare time for the newspaper. Or when, when do you know of Edinburgh Fringe? Yes. Yes. Yeah, when, whenever we have those uh, three to four weeks every year outside the pandemic, I always do lots of theatre reviews for that. And throughout the year, I've got a friend who runs a theatre website, so I do bits and bobs for that. But it's probably a bit grand writing theatre critic on my, my tweet, my tweety profile. <laughs> um, how How is the pandemic? Are you starting to get back into live performances? Uh we 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 almost did that. We were all cancelled. Was there was going to be a bit? There, there was going to be a pantomime in December at the local theatre, mm-hmm. but that got cancelled. So they actually recorded it, and it was wonderful. They did such a great job running through the town, making lots of you know lots, lots of topical references, good humour there. But no, the, the actual the Edinburgh where I live is. Uh, three or four big theatres and it's it's so hard for them obviously you know they've, they've all been dark for such a long time and it's just it's just sad really I'm just waiting for everything to come back I mean myself and Steve my partner we've been lucky because he works for the National Health Service in admin administration and management so he's been able to continue working throughout and I've been working for the newspaper from home throughout and so we, we've been fine we've, I've had my first drag and Steve's got his first inject- his first vaccine next week. So all is well, you know. First world problems. This right. week we're, because we're on a cruise, apparently. We're, I am currently in Israel in Egypt, allegedly. But uh, <laughs> nah, we're, we're fine. How are you, boys? Fine. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because last year um, we were to have a 10-day trip to Ireland. Uh, I've never been. And um, we we had to cancel that. That was in May of last year. And then we had a 10-day trip to Iceland um, in August that was scheduled. Bob and I were going to be singing over there with a group um, based in Montana, which is quite a, quite a distance for them to travel. Yeah, um, yeah. And that, too, was canceled. So we, we you know, we, we've, we're fine. We, we got our second uh, vaccine uh, about last on, week. Last week, yes. So we are fully vaccinated. Marvellous. Funnily yeah. enough, we also had a 10-day trip to Iceland planned. I think it was going to be, I can't remember now, last June or something. But that would have been hard work because it was a working press trip, you know. So I would have had to, you know, write a few hundred words when I got back. So the hell of that. But uh, <laughs> no, no, the, sad, the sadness there is that, you know, we, we lost a press trip, big deal. But uh, the actual cruise company, CMV, a small British firm, they actually went bankrupt we're not mm. bankrupt, yeah. They went out of business, so that's so so very sad. 
You know, I used to work as a cruise director for an American-owned and operated cruise company, uh, the last one, actually, and it went bankrupt in 2000. Um, oh, yeah. That's so sad, and I'm just bored by cruise directors. Wow, gosh. It's Was a I- horrible job. <laughs> it's a horrible job. <laughs> really? Was it not exciting and new every day? They're expecting you. Well, I think uh, I mean it was it was interesting in that like I I um I perform uh, and so as does Bob and uh, I'm but I'm very much an introvert. So when I have a role to play and a script to follow and such, or if I have a role to play in, in you know in sort of public performance sort of capacity, I I I am very comfortable doing that. But the thing about being a cruise director is you're you know you're responsible for the general morale of the people that have come on the cruise. And it really does require you to be absolutely open and and uh, with everyone that you encounter. And I, I didn't appreciate that at all. I mean, I, I did my best to do my job well, but I found it very, very draining. Yeah, yeah. I When I was a, a, boy, a boy reporter many, many years ago, I, I did it for about three or four years, and I decided I didn't quite like I wasn't. <laughs> I wanted to stop meeting the public, so went to the <laughs> editing side or copy editors you, design and things like that but uh, wow but I, I just i just love cruising hopefully we'll one day meet you on a cruise yeah that'd be fun oh yeah. wow yes please so so martin and i met virtually two years ago on a quiz program on another podcast and one of the questions which he got correct and i did not involved the cover of Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, number 66, in which Lois is creeping along a telephone wire with furry green cat feet. They, they actually had a question about that? Yes. Wow. I can't remember the question. I can't, but I'm impressed by myself. <laughs> <laughs> you should be. Now, what I've just noticed, looking at the cover again anew, is that one of Lois's uh, hairy green cat feet has its opposable toe thumb on the wrong side of her leg. Ah, but they are alien opposable toe thumbs. That's true, true, true. And they don't look anything like cats. I don't know. Have you seen Catwoman's 1967 costume? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but not the fur version. (laughs) They didn't draw it right. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Lois Lane on the cover is telling Superman to butt out because she's going to rescue a window washer who's dangling from a window. And she thinks to herself, she must pretend she's doing this for kicks. I can't let Superman know I feel like something out of a horror movie. Right. And uh, apparently the the window washer is, I mean, his, I don't see his, uh, uh, what are those, what are those carts called that they, that they lower down? Oh, the uh, uh, d- uh, dinghy. I don't. Know. I have no idea. I don't see it anywhere in this in, in this cover, nor is it inside the. Um, so I can't. I guess this is a really uh, skilled window washer. He just takes his bucket, squeegee, and rag, and just scales the building. No, um, you, can't, you can't see he's on like a seat, a swing that's upside down. Oh, is that it? Yes, I think so. Yes, the little brown thing, or brown orange. Yes. Huh. Oh, so maybe he just goes from room to room and just hoists his little seat out the window. (laughs) Very dedicated. (laughs) Now we see on the splash page 
<clears throat> that there's a giant mechanical centipede crawling up the side of a building, and Lois is climbing up the centipede while uh, Superman assumes he has to rescue her because he does so much of that. Right. But no, she's uh, independent and she's on her own. She's taking this on on her own. So she says, uh, what is it? It, says, uh, uh, it stalks out, scaling the uh, dizziest heights, a creature uh, with furred paws and long, powerful claws. It's a tiger, a black panther, or a wildcat. No, it's Lois Lane. And if you think that's a far-out transformation, wait, you see what happens to her later on this tale. We mean, they call me the cat. Oh, it's tail. We, yeah, the yeah, tail, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is wrong, because what the other things that happened come before that scene, so they're just getting it wrong. Where? Yeah. Uh, art by wonderful Kurt Schaffenberger, who might be my favorite artist. Oh, and even even his signature is just elegant as heck. Mm-hmm. It is beautiful. Um, have you seen that uh, book of about his life? And it has all kinds of drawings. He used to draw a Christmas card every year of his family and send out. I don't know whether I do have that one. I have various ones from publishers such as Tomorrow's, like the Kurt Swan mm-hmm. book. But I'm not... I don't know. I think I would adore that. Maybe I do have it. I'll have to, I know he. I recognise him because he, he often used to draw himself into into his comic books. You know, little very neat moustache and glasses chap. But uh, I just I, he's just one of the most beautiful artists I've ever seen in comics. I just absolutely love his work. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's very uh, dimensional, three dimensional, mm-hmm. almost. Anyway, so Ogo and we're starting inside. It's a sweltering day at the Daily Planet office, and apparently Perry White has opened his wallet and purchased lemonade for the people inside. Yes, yes. He's living large off of all of that money he got from being a senator. U.S. senator, yes. Two issues. Do you remember that when he was carted away to Washington in his top hat and cane and coat, a morning, morning coat? Morning coat, yes. He had to be a U.S. senator. He was replaced by that chap called Van, Van the Band. Yes. yes. Who was secretly an FBI agent. And his hair changed colour a lot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the entire office, the air conditioning is broken down. Everyone is sweltering, except for Lois. Lois. She's freezing. She's got coronavirus, I'm convinced of it. <laughs> but dig those word balloons, though. Ice balls can off them. Uh-huh. <laughs> now, I work uh, in, in a university with, uh, with some women that are always cold. Always yes. cold. And that's a, that's, a, that's a gender kind of joke, that women are always cold when men are, when are, when are not cold. Do you work with me? Because I am also always cold. I, no. no I don't, oh. I don't know I'm quite often frigid. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, Lois is freezing to death. Not only that, but she uh, is turning other objects and liquids near her into ice. So Superman ducks out to make a quick change. Or actually, I should say Clark ducks out right. to make a quick change. Flies back in the window. Meanwhile, Perry White has gotten his wife's fur coat, which he was taking to storage. That's now, st- <laughs> now, my my grandmother had a fur coat. And um, I don't think my mother did, um, because that wouldn't have been appropriate at that time. My, my mother graduated from high school, I think, in the 60s, perhaps. Um, anyway, my, um, I was asking Bob about this. Is that something people did back then, was put their, their, their furs in cold storage? Yes. I think I've seen a movie where there was a cold storage room full of fur coats. I think, I think it was an important plot point, yes. 
not so important. I remember how it worked, though. Uh, you have to keep the moths away, or the alternative is to have a cedar closet. So my grandmother had a custom-built cedar closet in her basement for her furs. For her furs, yes. Wow. Oh, I had cedar coat hangers because when in Edinburgh, a lot, a lot of the the accommodation is full tenements, and that's not tenements in the nineteen seventies Lois Lane style where it was you know ghettos. It was right. just elegant old buildings were just full of moths so we had to have a lot of senior code hangers and basically we beat them to death with them <laughs> so Superman takes Lois uh, wrapped up in her fur coat to the desert to Death Valley which is the hottest spot in the United States famously yes famously uh, after three hours in Death Valley she's still freezing to death so then he decides to take her to his Arctic Fortress of Solitude, where she can bask in the experimental chamber which duplicates the searing atmosphere of the planet Venus. Now, as we know from our very first episode, the planet Venus is livable because Superman yes. deposited a train full of international police, police officers there. Yes, yes. And it's they solid. did just fine. It's solid. Venus is solid yes. and livable. Yes. Yeah. Habitable. Habitable. Yes. Do you concur? <laughs> <laughs> How could anyone disagree? I go there a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so one last chance to get Lois warm. <laughs> Take her to the <laughs> flyer into the heart of the sun. That's We're the, only on page three. Lost by Superman to throw Lois into the sun. <laughs> he'll go to any length to warm her up um, luckily the interior of the sun is also livable in just a flimsy little space suit she's probably got the fur coat on too <laughs> <laughs> so what do they do so next he takes her from the sun to Metropolis University and soon at the institute they take her to a laboratory where the scientists have to wear thermal suits while they check her condition. She's freezing everything she touches yes. and everything in her proximity. Let's check her vitals. Brainwave patterns, normal. Pulse, normal. Interior body temperature, normal. What? Well, she's a perfect health. Right. <sighs> Superman flies off to France to get Dr. LaRue, the world's greatest expert on cryogenics which is the phenomena of extreme cold, as you know. Yes, of course. Uh, but by the time he returns with Dr. LaRue, who's also in a, uh, some kind of morning suit, right? Yeah, he's he's dressed in a fine... And what's that, what's that hat there that he's wearing, the type of hat? It's a bowler, isn't it? Yes, I suppose. Scaffenberger, he always drew French men in morning suits. I don't know why. Like, <laughs> such as in the bombshell of the boulevards in Lois Lane, probably number one. Morning suits a go-go. <laughs> <laughs> and a monocle of course because he's oh no it's not a monocle it's just just glasses what do you call those glasses pensnay 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 it's probably not pronounced like that okay it's spelled like that yes so 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 lois he comes back and lois is cured fine fine and dandy next day Instead of writing a blockbuster article about the strange effect of flying into the heart of the sun, <laughs> she has the option of writing about a flower show or an ice skating contest because she's a girl reporter. Right, and that's what she had to do. She's, mm -hmm. got, the, she's got the fashion page, so she covers the flower show. Right. 
<laughs> it starts stuffing her face with daisies. Right? Well, whatever it is, that there's a giant s- sculpture of Superman. Supetalman. <laughs> and she uncontrollably starts eating flowers off of the statue and from the environment around her. Now, Martin, have you ever eaten flowers? I have, yeah, candied flowers, not impressed. Mm. <laughs> no, I think they were, they, we went out to a fine restaurant once and there were flowers there and I ate, I ate one and it was, yeah, there was nothing to it. Do you remember which type? Oh, what are those flowers? Pansies. It was a pansy. <laughs> Yeah, I've eaten a pansy or two in my time. (laughs) (laughs) So she... This is a psychological disorder, actually. Pica. Pica. You're compelled to eat things that aren't nutritious. Like paint? And hair? Ew! And paper? Yes, rocks? My cat eats earwax. (laughs) (laughs) No, we have... Everybody thinks it's disgusting, and then one day they'll find themselves putting their finger in their ear. (laughs) (laughs) The cat licks it, and the cat is so happy, and you get rid of your earwax. <laughs> I'm not going to be a spot. <laughs> we used to have a beagle and a lab corgi mix, and uh, Fred was the beagle, and he would clean Saffy's ears. We, we had a lab corgi na- mix named Saffy that we named after Saffy from AbFab. And um, he used to clean her ears every day. Twice a day. Yeah. With earbuds. Oh, the beagle would just go and lick her ears twice that's, a day. That's adorable. Yeah. She loved it. Oh, have you taught your doggy this? No. no. But now that you've given us the idea. I think it could go viral. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so Lois is, is chomping down on flowers. And then she, uh, what does she do here? With- well, Clark comes upon her and she's trying to hide the fact that she's eating all the flowers. And she tries to make believe like she's just doing the thing with he loves me he loves me not right about superman because she's a she's a flower eating freak (laughs) no matter what's going on in her life she will never stop trying to trick superman into marrying her right so then she clocks out of work as a reporter and then goes and dons her cap as a volunteer nurse i don't think that you can just pop into the hospital and volunteer as a nurse i think it's a little more stringent I did extensive research into this. Ten yeah. seconds. Ten seconds on Wikipedia, and they they had something called can, candy strippers or how no candy stripers. Yes. And I think they were they were just like doing little little odd jobs around the hospital. Mm-hmm. They also had a grey lady, which was the adult version of a blue teen, and they would do little medical jobs around the hospital, like nursey type jobs. And I think one of the demands was that you had to have extensive knowledge of clerical. Wow. Hmm. Oh, I get it. Blue cars of Kryptonian uh, martial art. Oh, that was totally lost on me. I know. That's why I'm here <laughs> to explain it to you. <laughs> but it, it, it does seem to have been a thing, though. Lois Lane comics would not lie. I do remember her mentioning it often, especially when she would visit the bottle city of Kandor. Martin, may I ask a cultural question? Oh, absolutely. Why is it that in America we say, I'm going to go to study at the university, and I'm going to stay at the hospital, or I have a stay at the hospital, but in all of the, the BBC shows that we watch, they always say, I'm going to university, and I'm going to hospital. 
Why is the article the missing? I think I think you're just more sophisticated and cultured. Oh, in, in a similar way, you you use the Shakespearean term fall, where we just say autumn. You're just classier than we are. <laughs> well, agree to disagree, Martin. <laughs> but classier. Now, classy's not nice. Uh, in American culture, classy's not actually a nice term. No. It, no, it's is, very lowbrow. Is this similar to the way when you when Americans say they quite like something? Apparently, they mean they really like something. Whereas we say we quite like something. We mean we like it a little bit. Really? What do you think when you say I quite I quite like Bob? Well, everything we know about British culture, we learned from French and Saunders. And so, yes, I would take that as just someone trying to be nice and polite. I quite like that. <laughs> oh, we're learning as we go. <laughs> <laughs> so Lois uh, is making her rounds in the hospital and she comes upon a fresh bouquet of flowers in a patient's room. And what do you think she does? She starts eating them. Yes. And the patient wakes up and chases her away. <laughs> Well, this is probably the first time Lois has ever come across a sleeping guy in a hospital bed and not fallen in love with him. <laughs> but still, this is what's No, I have a problem with this comic. Why? Well, it's just that Lois, she, she, I, I mean, I, the premise of these Lois Lane comics is that she's basically just involved in these um, adventures, but also trying to trap Superman into marrying her. Is that also, that's the point of her adventures. Ah, uh, how did they sell? Um, because of the, I don't know. It was one of DC's top sellers for years and years and years. People I... loved this stuff. I loved it. Wow. I guess you know I, I'm not I'm not one to talk. I used to watch episodes of The Love Boat and Fantasy Island and just be absolutely thrilled by it. So, so thrilled that you became a cruise director. <laughs> Fantasy Islander. That's probably a song you don't know. Anyway, hey Did you watch Fantasy Island? De plane, de plane. I even watched the new the new horror film version, which wasn't oh. in a technical sense. Mm. I love that. I love that. I've seen Fantasy Island and the Love Boat. No, was it Fantasy Island meets the Love Boat meets Charlie's Angels? What? Yes, Charlie's Angels did appear on Love Boat and crossover. I don't remember Fantasy Island. Crossover. Yes. I I think Cheryl Lad got off on Fantasy Island in the end or something like that. Oh, God. That's, that's your Okay, so moving right along. we Also, Lois has her own desk at the hospital as a volunteer. Well, maybe it's a it's a shift desk. Maybe, okay. maybe whoever's volunteering gets that desk. Anyway, the doctor discovers the detritus of her eaten flowers. Mm-hmm. Great grazing goats. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone in Metropolis has a saying. Great spot, great Caesar's ghost, great grazing goats. That's exactly what a doctor would have. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so, of course, the doctor calls Superman right away to tattle on Lois. <laughs> no, uh, here's something that bothered me about this. Um, so the doctor, he of course, he, he, that's when he says, great grazing goats, right? Flower stems, I better report this to a friend, Superman. He's delivering an emergency shipment of blood plasma here tonight. Does he ever get any time off? No. That's, that's a robot. Yes. Oh, right. He does have a closet full of robots. Oh, that's right. That can do things. He does. 
They don't need to see the coat hangers. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he keeps his furs wrapped around his robots in the closet. Yeah, I believe there's someone else in Metropolis that could deliver blood plasma. Right, like a courier. Yes, Jimmy Olsen, he could be a, he's got a motorcycle. Sure, why does Superman have to deliver blood plasma? Well, it is an emergency. So, we, so there's confirmation now that it was indeed, that Lois Lane was indeed eating flowers at the flower show. So he decides to take her to Africa. To the rarest plants in the world, which produce music on their own. I love the way that Lois always rode Superman's side saddle on a show. <laughs> well, lady. lady, you don't she, expect her to ride astride, do you? Very broad shoulders. <laughs> well, how does Jimmy Olsen ride on Superman? Piggyback style? I think, yeah, I think, I think Jimmy Olsen needs to straddle his back. Hmm. <laughs> So Superman has taken Lois to a collection of rare flowers in Africa, which he discovered, which create melodies when the breeze blows through them. And he's going to leave her there while he performs an important chore. Yeah. Probably. Now, this is a cruel trick. He knows that she's compelled to eat flowers. And he takes her to the place where she can't resist but do just that. Is he hoping that it'll cure her? I think he's just trying to catch her in the act. Okay. No. He actually hopes that sort of too much, you know, the way they always explode energy absorbing villains by giving them too much energy. He hopes that by putting so many flowers, so many lovely, irresistible musical plants in front of her, she'll gorge herself and that will cure her as opposed to having her vomit musical flowers all over the jungle. <laughs> Obvious. Well, it's never worked with me with donuts. Right. You need to eat more. <laughs> So, uh, so she uh, has enough self-control that she realizes she can't eat the most obvious plants. So she climbs up a tree to eat the ones that look like flutes, which, good riddance, nobody likes the sound of a flute. I'll happen to like the sound of a flute. It's handbells I can't stand. Do you what? know? What? I have campanology. I love handbells. You're the one. Absolutely. Ding, dang, dong. I was singing Eurovision. Sorry, shouldn't sing Eurovision to Americans. You're better than that. We know what Eurovision is. Absolutely. We were in Portugal. You don't need... We think Eurovision songs are good, and you probably see them with irony. I know Americans can't... I love Eurovision. No, Americans just don't know what it is. I mean, they know about ABBA, and that's about as much as they know about Eurovision. Have you seen that movie on Netflix or something with Will Ferrell? You, 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 Vision or something? Yes! There you go, then. Yes, uh, we were in Lisbon for whenever the finals of 2018. 2018? Yes. Yes. And that's when we became obsessed with Eurovision. Yes. Oh, brilliant. So many Cliff Richard records you can just enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> She's just a devil woman. <laughs> Have you seen the Thunderbirds movie where uh, it takes place in the future and the big hot star is Cliff Richard Jr.? Which which film is this? Uh, I think it's uh, Thunderbird 6, maybe? Oh, um, I think I have. I think I saw that when I was a wee, a wee nipper. Yes, 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 indeed. God, he uh, was hot. Of course, Cliff Richard has no children. He still lives with his mother. Does he? If you get my drift. Oh. Manager. Confirmed bachelor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Be, well, he had a song, didn't he? I'll be a bachelor boy, and that's the way I'll stay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Anyway, I, I'm interrupting when Lois Lane is up a tree with her amazing thighs in shorts. Oh, please. Yes. I don't even know how we get through comics when we do this podcast. We just we do call on tangents all the time. It's delightful. That's why you even had tangent comics from DC. Yes. Yeah, Dr. Husband doesn't know anything about that, but I'll, I'll introduce him later. <laughs> so Superman flies her back to Metropolis and Clark Kent takes her out to lunch. Another cruel trick because he knows there's going to be flowers on the table right. that she can't help but eat. I, and Clark is thinking about just can't help herself. She's trying to get a grip on herself and she makes this noise. Gah! I know, but look at that top she's wearing and that hat. Jackie Gore would have been so jealous. You yeah. know, not many women can get away with vertical stripes. I mean horizontal <laughs> horizontal stuff, yeah. They're like electric electric currents. Yes. Yes. Well who knows that might be coming up next with all these strange effects happening. Indeed. She should find a way of monetizing it. <laughs> so suddenly she loses her appetite for flowers. Absolutely. It digs into a nice juicy steak. Do you, like, do you like that caption at the top? Yes, our gal is cured of her weird vegetarian kick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, vegetarians didn't have a good res- reputation until quite recently. I don't know if it's the same in your country. We have a joke uh, that says, how do you know if someone's a vegetarian? I don't know. How do you know if someone's a vegetarian? Uh, they'll, they'll tell you. you. Oh, God, yes. Lovely <laughs> people. I like a nice bit of leek from time to time. Yes, as long as it's accompanied by meat. Mm, generally, I mean, meat, vegetarian lasagna is obscene. Well, yeah, that's I okay. Would, I would agree. I that. mean, if, you, if you've got a really good cheese and, and, and maybe uh, vegetables like mushrooms, uh, like some portobello mushrooms with something that actually has some flavor to it might be, I could think I like, I like vegetarian dishes that aren't pretending to be meaty. So just let the vegetarian be proudly vegetable. Yes. Yeah. Then, yeah, have you come across Tangent Time? Have you come across a British TV chef called Nadia Hussein? No. Oh, she's on the BBC, Nadia. She's adorable, really lovely. She, won, she came to prominence on the Great British Bake Off slash baking show. And she makes these lovely, lovely food, except we bought a cookbook. And she was recommending baking a fish finger lasagna. Now, that would to you be fish sticks, a fish stick lasagna. And basically, instead of meat, you just throw in fish fingers with the breadcrumbs on. And then you put it in the oven with all the, the bechamel sauce and everything. And wait half an hour, pull it out. And it's just this disgusting, rumpled, gristly, grey <laughs> concoction with tastes of nothing. <laughs> Try it. Bob okay. would probably throw that yeah. in some jello. Sure, yes. Um, also, heard, I heard of someone making mashed potatoes by just taking uh, potato chips. You would call them crisps, Martin. I would, darling. And you just throw the crisps into boiling water, and then it comes out as mashed potatoes. Oh, I've heard of that. That just sounds bizarre. It's unpleasant. Yeah, like mashed potatoes aren't that difficult to make in the first place. Not at all. You open a packet night water. <laughs> but what if you don't have that kind of time? <laughs> <laughs> True. No, mash, I, I make lovely mashed potatoes. So 
you know, two two ounces of butter to one ounce of a potato. <laughs> oh, now do you? Uh, let's see. Do you do you use an electric mixer to mash your potatoes, or do you mash them by hand? Oh no, no, manly me. You know, I get I get out my masher and just get in there, bash, 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 throw in the butter, salt and pepper, cheese perhaps. Marvelous. Would you like to know a secret? Do I want to know a secret? I do. Next time you make mashed potatoes, chop up a celery root and boil it with the potatoes and mash it all in. Honestly, because I'm not generally pro-celery. I'm not either, but celery root doesn't taste like celery. It just has this nutty depth of flavor that adds to your mashed potatoes. Oh, wow. I'll give that a go. Okay. I'll report back. Thank you. (laughs) You are very welcome. Anyway, now Lois has cat feet. Right. Only they don't look like... No, they look they're like monster feet. green ape monster feet. Yes. Maybe she's got Beast Boy under her skirt. Oh. So the window washer has fallen out the window. Lois leaps to his aid because Superman's nowhere to be found. Now, we were wondering earlier, Rob wondered why Lois didn't notice that she had green monster feet until after she saved the window washer. Right. With a kitten heels. <laughs> I just assumed it's an adrenaline rush, like when the mother crashes the car and she has to lift it off to rescue her child. And then That's she... right. Yeah. Yeah. I just love those tiger feet. They are... Uh, what actually, happened to her heels? They're... What happened to her shoes? She must have burst out of them. Well, sure. Yeah. Um, They actually are making boots now that kind of look like this, or they'll have, like, giant frog feet on the bottom. Oh, dear. Have you seen those training shoes that look like monkey feet? The toes (laughs) go individual toe space. Yes. They're repulsive. (laughs) You know, um, I sometimes run. uh, I haven't been running as much lately. uh, I don't know why. I just... uh, pandemic depression i suppose but i've i've planned to i've entered into a half marathon in october so i'll start training again and when i run that half marathon there are people that run it barefoot have you ever seen that i have seen that they should be sectioned oh (laughs) could you imagine what the bottom of their feet look like well, they say that, you know, obviously it, tough, it toughens up your feet, but before my feet get toughened, they'd probably be impaled by many, many pieces of glass. In fact, I was once staying at a, at a couple's house overnight, and in the middle of the night, I got up for a glass of water, accidentally dropped the glass on the floor, stood barefoot in the glass. It went impaled right through my, through my foot, and I couldn't get it out. Oh, my God. I, I had to go back to bed and have my foot sticking out of the duvet over the floor so the blood dripped on the floor all overnight. And my friend in the morning, actually, was really lovely. He said, you should have woken me up. If I'd had tiger feet or green green furry feet, that wouldn't have been a problem. Right. I can guarantee I would have woken whoever was in the house oh, up by screaming at the top of my lungs. Yes. In shock. Anyway, hey-ho. It was, very cool. it was very kind of you to dangle your foot over the edge and let the blood drip out, not on the bed. Wreck the carpet, though. Oh, Uh, well. Later, after (coughs) Superman arrives and points out to Lois that she has giant green monster feet, um, she bravely decides to just walk back to the Daily Planet on her own on the telephone wire. (laughs) Later, there's a power blackout in Metropolis 
tower because, well, I don't know if this is a causal effect, but there's a giant mechanical centipede which is being used in a movie, which has climbed up the side of the building, and the operator has had a heart attack. That's so common these days. It happens all the time. I wish we lived in a world where uh, every movie had giant mechanical creatures constructed for it to crawl around the city willy-nilly. Right. Heart attack once, and it would have been so much better if I'd been inside a giant caterpillar up the side of a building. Mm-hmm. Oh, you had a heart attack once? Just the once. It was. Oh, it was very dull. It was just just coming out of the theatre on on and again Ed, during Edinburgh Fringe show. I came out and just felt a little bit strange and decided to walk back to the car. And I said to Stephen that you know if within three three quarters of an hour by the time I got back to the car, I was still feeling a little ill. Perhaps take me to the hospital. So he did, and this took in three stents, and it's fine. It's fine. No giant cat. Mm-hmm. Well, all is well. Honestly, because I brought the mood down. Sorry, kids. <laughs> oh no no no! I, I should. I'm sorry. I'm just. I I I'm so curious about what um, I've read about what a heart attack feels like, and of course you see it in the movies, people grasping their chests, but that actually isn't what it feels like. No no, it was the, the top the top half above above my nipples to my neck sort of thing felt sort of quite choky, very heavy. Was having trouble problems breathing, and because I didn't know what a heart attack felt like, I didn't realize I just thought it was some kind of strange indigestion or something. Mm. But uh, but I mean, it was, it was just annoying because you know ne- don't 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 drink. Don't smoke. Never took drugs, but you know blood pressure pills and things that I have to. And it was just, it was just annoying. All these fatty walking around, not having heart attacks. Unfair. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the injustice of it all. So Lois again. Superman's nowhere to be found. Lois climbs up this mechanical caterpillar, gets. To the operator, luckily she's a trained nurse. Yes, she's administering medication right there on the spot. Mouth to mouth, no loss. Yeah, it looks <laughs> like she's pounding on his chest too. It looks like she has his her fingers in his mouth. Well, that's important though. You do have to clear the tongue. Yes, before you give mouth to mouth. And then her claws change. Then she changes back and she starts falling. Yes. Well, thank goodness Superman's there to catch her. Just in the nick of time. So. Uh, Superman rescues Lois, rescues the stuntman. He's taken off in an ambulance. Now, the next day, a strange turbaned woman with a veil over her face encounters Lois in the street just as she's dropping a necklace. It's uh, the veiled woman is right. dropping her jewels on the street. That's suspicious. Uh huh. Uh, she introduces herself as Princess Zerna of Arctor, traveling incognito, and asks Lois to join her for lunch. Well, you'd never, you would not look twice at that woman. No. No, I guess not. She blends right in. She's just so incognito. Where <laughs> <laughs> Lois is woman's intuition? What? Right, because Lois is very keen. I'm surprised that she just jumps right in and says, oh, sure, I'll go to lunch with you, no problem. And also she, thinks to herself, I've never heard of Arctor. It must be one of those new countries that have been established recently. One would hope that a journalist would be up to date on any new countries that have been created. Well, this is war. It's very far post-war. I, well, I know, <laughs> in the long view, it's very far post-war. What, this is 1966, right? Yes. Yes, so, no, there's... I don't quite understand. Now Lois begins to notice some oddities. This gal has only ordered cold dishes 
like sherbet and ice cream, both in the same meal? What is called sherbet? Because over here, sherbet is just this mixture of dust and sugar, basically. Oh, oh. so sherbet would be generally a fruit-flavored... Uh, the consistency of ice cream, but I don't think it has dairy in it. Yeah, it's kind of like gelato. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think maybe it was like sorbet, which I hate. You know, I think that sherbet is probably just like sorbet, but with skim milk. I, I think sherbet might have dairy in it, but I think it's skim okay. milk. Yeah. It's not high fat. Um, it's high sugar. It's terrible. It sounds to anything without dairy, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now Lois notices that uh, the princess is eating flowers from the table. And she decides to scram. Yes. Yes. But then she notices that the princess is chasing her across the telephone wire with giant green cat feet. What? Mm-hmm. The fence there, right. Uh, now she takes her veil off and reveals that not only does she have cat feet, but a cat face. She's from another planet. Yes, Arctor. Um, <clears throat> Lois is very uh, rude about her appearance. <laughs> I don't approve of that. You call that a face? <laughs> well, yes, as a matter of fact, that's what we do call it on my planet. Princess Zerna of Arctor explains that Arctor is another planet, a frozen world where her race has adapted to life under sub-zero conditions. We feed on frost flowers and maneuver over our frozen terrain by means of icy cables. Hmm. But this, this never happened on Polar Boy's planet, where they adapted. <laughs> yeah, he just, in fact, was his world super hot or super cold? Oh, actually, I think maybe it was super hot. So, the, yes, they, they adapted the ability to make things cold and put on yes. gray furry jackets. Mm-hmm. I hmm. do apologize. What must you think of me? Oh, no, it's fine. I had to think about it myself, actually. Um, I was. Do you have you ever seen the program Little House in the Prairie? Da da da! I run down hills. Hills. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I do. Tell well, me more. My my sister and I are obsessed with the program, and yesterday morning we were texting all morning long about our favorite episodes and what happened here and who did what. And I don't know why that even came up. Any episode with Blindy Mary. <laughs> that was, <laughs> she was watching the episode where the blind children have to uh, be death marched across the prairie so that they can return to Walnut Groves where Harriet Olson can open her the blind school in Walnut Grove. Is that after the fire or was that in Chicago? Hmm. Uh, that was before the fire, and then we had a long discussion about whether... Then there was an episode where Mary miscarried, and uh, I had to insist that no, Mary would indeed have a baby because the baby dies in the fire. Oh. That's, that is all. Did you ever see the Mad Magazine version of The Little House Also Dreary? No. no. <laughs> I'll have to dig it out sometime. <laughs> But I love that. I love that show. Brilliant stuff. I mean, did, did, didn't Ellie Olsen, didn't she make a living as an adult as a Bette Davis impersonator? I'm probably getting that wrong. Nellie Olsen actually, first of all, she has a fantastic biography called Confessions of a Prairie Bitch. Yeah, she just seems absolutely wonderful. She is. Alison Angram. Arngram. 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 And wasn't it with a Stefan in the show as well? Was he Willie Olsen? Anyway, who uh, was? 
uh, Laura Ingalls's brother was Willie Olson, yes. So who was Stefan Armgren? Or was he in Fireball XL? He was in Land Armgren. of the Giants. Ah, right. Land of the Giants. Brilliant stuff. He's also a terrible person, as chronicled in her biography. <laughs> How so, sir? He, uh, he was abusive towards her. Bloody hell, shall we move on? I'm so sorry. Yes. No, it's fine. I love Hollywood gossip. Especially old Hollywood gossip. <laughs> so, Princess... Uh, why did what I, is her name? Well, I'm still stuck on what made me think about Little House in the Prairie. I mean, eating... That, you call they that a face? I don't know. Icy cables? Eat icy cables? I don't know. I think it had something to do with Polar Boy. <laughs> Adapting to a hard life, probably. Like, yeah, on a that's it, surely. I don't know. I, I, spent, I spent about 10 minutes with a piece of paper trying to work out if Zerna and Arcto was an anagram. You get reactor and something, but perhaps not. Leave that a challenge to the listeners. Well, Ar- yes. Arctor obviously would be some sort of play on Arctic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but I don't know what Zerna would be. Yeah, It's just an exotic-sounding name. Anyway, she's been observing Superman and Lois over uh, Alexa, Alexaphone. Yes, obviously. And Lex Luthor has made a lot of money off these Lexaphones. You'd think, but then why is he always trying to rob banks and things? That's the thing, Martin, you, uh, that Bob and I have about um, you always see these television monitors appear in these comics where people can just peer in on other people's lives across great expanses of space and time. And we just we just always refer to it generally as a lexophone. I'm speaking to you via lexophone. Why deny it? Essentially, yes. How can we monetize that? I don't know. Little, little green flying grapefruits. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, turban that she's been wearing is actually a helmet which can control Lois's body over the vast distances of interstellar space. So the effects were Lois turned super cold and then she was compelled to eat flowers and then she grew these feet but it wasn't sticking because it was, of course, over a vast interstellar distance. Right. So Princess Zerna decides to travel to Earth in person, and once there, she could use her turban to physically take over Lois's body. They seem to merge into one being. Well, I don't know about her plan. I mean, just to actually think she's going to go to Earth, snag Superman for a husband and take him back to her planet or live on Earth as Lois Lane? Is that what she plans to do? Unclear. Right. Well, why does, since she can fancy Superman, even though he's a different species, why does she assume Superman is so shallow as to not fancy her if they meet? I mean, she's amazing for her people. She's beautiful. And she's royalty. Yes. Money. And she knows what she wants. She's a strong gal. Yes. <laughs> With a horribly alien puss face. <laughs> I wonder if this is how Megan snagged Harry. <laughs> what do you mean? Some, well, some sort of trickery. Oh, trickery. I don't know. They're both... Listen, the American divorcees, they have power. <laughs> right. Have you, uh, have you been following the scandal... Over um, about um, Megan and Harry. Oh, I can't be asked with them, honestly. It's just so boring. I didn't. I didn't watch the show. I mean, obviously, I've, 
I've seen a lot of the fallout, but it's, I mean, it's just so hypocritical, isn't it? They say, you know, we want so much privacy, let's have two hours on Oprah. You know, <laughs> obviously, you know, I don't know what's going on in the family on all sides, but that the business with the baby, it was probably just some stupid, stupid relative, like in any family, going, oh, I wonder what shade it'll be. Stupid, stupid, slap them, but just, it doesn't mean the whole British nation is racist. It's just ridiculous. Mm, I I hadn't thought about that, like the, the, how much they wanted to be, uh, have a private life, but yet they go on Oprah and do a two-hour interview. Honestly, it's, yeah. if you want to life, take take your thirty-six million you've inherited from your mother, uh, your millions that you've got from suits, and just go live a little a little life on the prairie. <laughs> da, 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 da. Well, Did you like the theme tune at the beginning or the end better? Oh, I think I like the beginning better. I think I like the end. It was especially when Ed Friendly's name came up; it made me happy. <laughs> now I can't stop thinking of Prince Harry shirtless with suspenders working out in the barn with Paul. He's more likely to be naked playing snooker while all dressing as Adolf Hitler, knowing him. <laughs> You did, you did hear that years ago, didn't you? Yes. Yes, bless them, honestly. A little bit of fun for them. God love those kids. Oh, bless. Uh, honestly, uh, let, uh, let them stay with you. It's, I mean, good luck to them. Hope they're happy. But if you want a quiet life, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Superman takes Lois, who is now inhabited by the body of Princess Zerna, to his fortress. To the fortress. To the aforementioned Venusian Garden simulation room. Check off Venusian simulation room. <laughs> Where apparently her Arcturian freeze power has been affected by merging with Lois because she's burning up. She can't counteract the heat with her polar powers. Right. And um, then he says he's going to what scan her with his heat vision? He's flashing her. Yes. <laughs> Superman. She's a sad. I thought he'd kiss me. Instead, he treats me like a guinea pig. Oh, sorry. My calendar just went off. Apparently, there's a session new officer training at the church tomorrow. Okay. Don't let me forget. Okay. Um, the incredible heat is weakening her, and her only chance is to press her reversal ring and withdraw her icy body from Lois, which she does. This is amazing science. The ability to merge two organic people into one being. Well, it's just like duo damsel, isn't it? I guess. Except she's one that splits into two. Hmm. So, uh, Princess Erna is discovered. Superman's very flattered that she went to all this trouble for him. But she can see in his eyes that her appearance repulses him. Superman's a little insensitive to what Lois has gone through here, I think. Oh, how lovely that you fancied me. Bye. Just to bother about Lois. I mean, the scenes with her taking over Lois are just horrifying. Superman insensitive to a woman's feelings? Perish the thought. Ha <laughs> um, ha. Now, it turns out Superman thinks it was just luck that Zerna wandered into the Venusian Gardens. It actually was part of Lois's plan. Because she, previously she had told Zerna that that was their little romantic hideaway, mm -hmm. knowing that Zerna would head there post haste once she was in the fortress. Try to say, yeah, that was generally Lois's one intelligent moment per issue that she got. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, now here come the puns. It was a long shot gamble, but it paid off in a hot foot that evicted your unwelcome guest. Do you suppose they shared a chuckle after that? <laughs> Why is unwelcome guest in quotes? <laughs> yeah, I don't know that either. <laughs> That's the other thing my sister and I text in hatred about is when un- unnecessary quotation marks are put on signs like when businesses put since 1947 in quotation marks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just nonsense. I, yeah, it irks me all the time. And I've taught Stephen. Stephen's become in, intolerant, very intolerant of sort of any kind of bad punctuation or extra words. And it's great. He's my monster. Well, Bob does the, I can send him absolutely over the edge. Um, there's a saying that we use all the time. Let's say, um, let's say you're, you're a young person and you're going to move to New York to become an actor. And you'd say, well, of course, I'm going to do the New York thing. Ugh. And it's, it's the, the anything thing, the insert word thing. I'm going to do the vacation thing or I'm going to do the New York thing or I'm going to, I'm going to do the parenthood thing and have some kids. It sends him over the edge. I've not heard that expression for probably decades. <laughs> oh, it's still going strong over here. Also, when you subtitle your business, like if you have a bake shop and you call it a cupcakery. <laughs> oh dear! Do you have the word? Is it actually what eatery? Eatery, eatery, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I've never heard anyone use it in real life. It's just that it's very popular among journalists, some editors, copy editors, writing headlines because it's shorter than restaurant. But it's, it's, it seems to be one of those words that nobody but reporters and journalists, other journalists, use, like, like bumper. They never were used bumper in real life, unless we use talking about a car bumper. But bumper as in massive. No. No, I mean, we've heard of bumper crops. Oh, bumper, bumper crops. Yes. Yeah, that, that sort of thing. But mm, strange, strange. Since you're an expert on this, I can ask you, sometimes we encounter a comic that seems to just kind of fall apart at the end. It seems to have, you know, it seems to have been going pretty strong, and then it just has this ridiculous, strange ending that just loses energy, doesn't actually reach a climax and resolve. It just kind of fizzles out. And I've often called that the the, um, Friday 4 o'clock water cooler discussion or the, or the what do I say that that's a Friday afternoon it's cocktail hour or we cocktail hour we got to get out of the office have you ever encountered something like that where you just sort of go oh this this didn't end very well yeah I think a particular example is right now but yeah it's, it just seems like they've just run out of page space and just want to get it wrapped up and get home for the weekend <laughs> it's, not, it's not good enough um but, this one, you can't say this one doesn't end. It's perfect ending. Yes. Yes, this one's great. So tight. Everything turned out really nicely, this issue. Yeah. Do you like that big that big, big fart behind Superman as he's carrying it? <laughs> yes. It's amazing that it didn't disturb his cape at all. Exactly. Maybe he's got something heavy and maybe his Clark Kent clothes are very heavy and Superman's back. <laughs> Oh, yes, they're super compressed. Oh, is that what he does with his Clark Kent clothes? He puts them someplace? He compresses them, and there's a secret pouch in his cape where he keeps them. Oh, my God. How do you know this? It's common knowledge, if you know where to listen. Do you remember the other thing he did when he compressed his clothes? Ah, no. He would compress them into a tiny, tiny, tiny tooth-sized ball 
and put it into his mouth as if it was an extra tooth. What? I, yeah, I mean, probably didn't get a bit wet when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Did he? Did he? Did he have what, his wisdom teeth extracted as a teenager, and then just kept putting? He kept that socket for his clothes. For his clothes. I don't know. I mean, or maybe he just would be constantly moving around his mouth and around his body. I mean, I imagine Kryptonians have complete control of their organs. <laughs> Why didn't he just stick it in his ear and have the super cat lick it out? <laughs> streaky, streaky. Meow. <laughs> did you like the story overall? I did. Yes, yes. It certainly is better than the witch doctor story in the second part of the uh, of the issue. Oh, that's that hospital patient again, I think. Oh, it's the same the hospital patient. No, I think. Oh, the man with stumpy arms. Good luck. I'll have to reread this. <laughs> no, no, it's, it, that second the second story yeah, is not really worth much. To summarize, Lois and Lana go to Africa to interview a witch doctor. They discover the witch doctor is an American who's operating in secret as a witch doctor in an African, well, I guess it's South American village. And uh, Lois gets a fever and falls into a coma and dreams that Lana tricks Superman into marrying her. Hussy. <laughs> the funny thing about this, uh, that I, the one thing that I noticed about this witch doctor um, story is that everything that Lois has to do, she, she dons a witch doctor mask and a special necklace that talks her through the procedures for healing. Everything that she does requires her to perform surgery. And at one time, actual brain surgery on Lana. Mm-hmm. She's a volunteer nurse. Yes. Which helps also when she has a magical helmet telling her what to do. It does help a lot. It's like that episode of Star Trek, Spock's brain, when Dr. McGoy has to do a brain transplant on Spock, and he, it's some alien machine is giving him the instructions how to do it. Because I've never seen that, because when I was a kid, Star Trek was on opposite Coronation Street, so I never got to watch it. What, what, was, it, what was on the opposite of? You know, this British soap, Coronation Street. Oh, yeah. Na, 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 na. My goodness, I don't know anything about that. Oh, it's, it's it's been running since 1960. It has it's there's an actor in it called Bill Roach, and he's the longest serving TV actor in the world in one role. He's been there since the start. He's 87 oh. or something, still having young romances. Really? <laughs> now I have a confession. I do you know the uh, was it three you know, three seasons the three season uh, mystery drama called Rosemary and Time. Stephen's a big fan. I saw 20 minutes of it last weekend. Great. We're, yes, we've been talking about you behind your back, actually, because I know that uh, you share a fondness for garden-themed mysteries. I do, and they're all murder mysteries, and it's ridiculous. And I, I only learned about them because French and Saunders did a parody on it called um, Bangers and Mash, I think. <laughs> <laughs> let me guess. Let me guess. At the end of the French and Saunders sketch, Felicity Kendall showed up and says, don't be mean. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Actually, no. Felicity Kendall shows up with like a hockey mask and a chainsaw, <laughs> and she's insane. She tries to kill them. <laughs> hey, I've got a question for you. Back to the first story for a second. Yes. Did you play, did you play Where's Wally with Lois on page ten? Oh, what? Ooh, what page did 10? you spot the hidden Lois? 
<laughs> paging, paging, paging. Page 10. Yeah. In the audience? Yes, yes. In yes, in, in the TV camera guy? Yeah, hidden in purple. Why would you hide Lois? Might have a blackout. Right. Now, she does look like she has a little bit of a puss on her face. She looks angry. Yeah, she looks a little bit more... I always thought she looked a little bit drawn, a little bit like... Uh, Bob Stanwyck in those by Kurt Scaffenberger. Yes. Now, Martin, since we met on a quiz show, yeah. I thought it might be fun to do a little Lois Lane quiz. Okay. You'll be playing against Dr. Husband, so I'm sure you'll win. Not necessarily. Try me. Question number one. Where was Lois Lane born and raised? Pittsville. Florida. What? No. <laughs> Pittsdale. Did you say Dale or Ville? I'm so sorry. How embarrassing. No, I'll give you half credit for that. For extra credit, in what U.S. state is Pittsdale located? Oh, oh, gosh. No idea. Arkansas? Uh, uh, New York? No. Okay. Iowa. And uh, that's from the internet. I don't know if that's canon or not. They were real. I thought that was just on Star Trek, James C. I was real. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, unfortunately, their politics aren't the best. Question number two. Lois Lane has a mischievous niece who bedeviled Superman throughout the 1940s. What is her name? Susie. Yes. Very good. I have no idea. Because, yeah, okay. I wouldn't have been able to answer that at all. Question number three. Am I jumping in too soon with the grand sorry? No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. He won't know the I answers. won't know any of them. Question number three. Who is Lois's childhood sweetheart? Oh. Oh. I have no idea. I have no idea either. Is it, wait, 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 wait. Is his name alliterative? Uh, well, there are two answers that can be considered correct, and one of them is alliterative, yes. Okay. Bob Benson. That sounds powerful. <laughs> no. <laughs> Michael, Michael Mackey. No. I would accept Finney Floor or Hector, last name unknown. Oh, I need to research? Wow, thank you. Uh, final question. If a Superman film had been produced in 1939, the best year in movie history, who would have been the perfect actress to play Lois Lane? Claudette Colbert. God, who? Who? Oh, that's uh, a good Claudette Colbert. Yes. Um, this is a completely subjective question. There's no correct answer. Uh, 1939. I would would uh, say Joan Crawford. No. She what? She's too hard. Too hard? Okay, well, then someone a little bit... No, I, well, I mean, Greer Garson might have been a nice... No. Person. She would play Lana. She's a redhead. Oh. So can I, I ask Lois' question back? Yes. Who were Lois... Oh, this is outside of go-go check time, but who were Lois Lane's flatmates, roommates? Oh. After college? No, in Metropolis? In Metropolis? I'm, I'm after three three people. One of them had a strange fish tank. Oh, Laurie Lamaris? <laughs> Better than the answer yeah. I've gotten. Oh, no, not Laurie Lamaris. I don't know. She would, she would, as, well as, as well as staring at a strange fish tank, she would walk, sleepwalk with a knife. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
What? Kristen Cutler. <laughs> in 71 when Lois was urban. So there was, there was Kristen Cutler. There was Julie Spence. So Ju- Julie was her, her groovy black roommate, African-American roommate. Oh, she was wow. great. She actually, had a, she actually had a one-off short strip. She was so cool. And can you guess the name of the fat one? Um, Alliterative, M.M. Uh, M- Mary... Mm-hmm. Melissa... Mary Mel- Mouthful. Mary, <laughs> Mary Mouthful. Think, think Brady Bunch, that's your clue. M.M. Marsha... Marsha Midge. Marsha Mello. Yes! No! No! Mello, yeah. No! Oh, what? Are you kidding? Yes! I can probably find you a picture somewhere, Yes! Marshall Mello. <laughs> okay, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman had three pretty much identical roommates, but they weren't named. Uh, was it kind of like an apartment 3G situation? I've never heard of that American newspaper strip. <gasps> well, it's not. It's no longer being published, but it was. It was horrible. Well, I've, I've actually I've seen a couple a couple of examples, but I don't understand American newspaper strips because you have two or three panels per day. And one panel has to recap. One panel has to be a cliffhanger. And one panel seems to have someone going, oh, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Martin Gray. Hello. Will you return someday? I would love to. If if you'll have me, I shall be there. Anytime. You have an open invitation. Thank you. Just give me the call. Press your signal watch. I will be going to see you. Z, Z, Z. One more thing, though. Getting Hello. back to the one thing. I, I, why does Jimmy Olsen have a watch that can signal Superman, but Lois Lane does not? Because can you imagine? I don't know, because Lois, Lois references that in this issue. Uh-huh. Many resentment towards Jimmy, even though she's Superman's girlfriend and he's merely his pal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not as if Jimmy gets into more trouble than Lois. No. <laughs> Jimmy looks better in a dress. Uh, where can our listener find you online the listener if they are so inclined can find me at my blog I always have to feel I have to explain this it's called Too Dangerous for a Girl and that's not sexist it is as you will know yeah a quote from the Legion of Superheroes when Brainiac 5 tries to tell Imra Ardeen that she can't go on a mission because it's too dangerous for a girl and of course she slaps him down and wasn't she actually the leader at that time? Either she was or she became the leader very soon afterwards and started playing mind control games with them all, yes. But anyway, yeah, it's a blog and I've wished one about many DVD comics. I like Marvel as well a lot, but if I do a Marvel blog post, I tend not to get any reaction really, which is strange. But uh, I've been doing a few Archie leagues recently. No one seems to bother about them. But it's good. I like to write about Archie because he's a ginger and gingers need love. That's <laughs> right, right. I was a ginger in my youth. Were you? Live with a ginger, you'll never need to buy dental floss. Why is that? <laughs> May we leave that to the listener? You can also find me at Twitter <laughs> on, at, at March Gray, M-A-R-T-G-R-A-Y. And, and I vouch that it's always entertaining and enlightening. God bless you, Gov. Thank you. You can find us on Twitter at GoGoCheckPod. You can find Dr. Husband on his very own podcast, Liberally Speaking. And you can find us right back here, mostly each and every week. Bye! It's time to give our love a chance.